We have our heading. Here we go! is as of now this is the feels odd podcast we'll be talking about some theology some questions we have can be very existential at some points make you feel like you question your existence but we'll also talk about other stuff like maybe some hip-hop we got a rapper in here you say hi Jaden. do we yeah bro i rap a little bit yeah, I rap a little bit yeah. a little bit a little bit so let's go around and introduce ourselves real quick Let's do name and the last song you listened to. Oh. Hmm. The last song you remember listening to, I should say. We can pull it up on Spotify if you guys want. Yeah, I'm definitely pulling up the Spotify. That's a great idea. Jaden, you go first. All right. uh, My name is Jaden Nichols. I am a staff member at H2O Church at Bowling Green State University. I also make music. Yeah, he makes music. I coach basketball, too, quite poorly at times, but... I'm trying to think. The last song I listened to on my way home last night, I'm pulling up. This song's crazy. It's called Talking My Flow by Childlike CC. I don't know if y'all have ever heard this. This randomly came up on my Spotify radio, and I was like, sheesh, what oh, is this? Childlike CC? Yep. You ever heard of her? No. <clears throat> this junk goes crazy. Omega they said the pink side, I said gladly. I chose Jesus, you can have me, huh? The spirit is in me. I don't need to send me the battles one. If he says done is dust, who gon' veto? It's finito. Devil and that, little mosquito, huh? I said get out my face. One of my soul, I tell Honestly, I don't I can't really listen to women right now. <laughs> I usually oh. I usually can't either, but dude, Doja Cat? That one was wild, dude. Doja her, the one song Hound Dog, that's not bad. Alright, well go ahead, hard. go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Alright, yeah. My name is Will. I'm criminal justice major. Oh, yeah. Don't arrest me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So I have. I don't know. My music taste. I, it's pretty. It's pretty wall to wall. So I've been listening to a song. It's it's like a matchup of two songs, "Memories" and "Another Love" by. It's on. You're, you're gonna look on it on Spotify. That's what it is. I don't know how to say that name. Famous or whatever. Do you want us to play it? I mean, if you want, yeah. If it's the another love that I'm thinking about. By um, memories is made by Conan Gray, so it's oh, a okay. it's a really nice mashup. I'm kind of excited for this. Yeah, yeah you're honestly you, if you listen to another love, you're gonna love yeah. this song. Oh yeah, that's fine. It's been my feels. Oh yeah, it kind of hypes you up as the intensity goes on. I've never heard this. Mm. Fire. Brown eyes at the entrance, you just want it talking. I can't turn away, oh, it dog. Can I skip through it? Please don't ruin this for me. About to add this. Please don't make it harder than it already is. I'm trying to get over this. Bro, I was getting into it. So there's no good Song's fire, though. You know, that's pretty good. I actually might add that. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. All right. All right who, who are you? Uh, my name is Noah. 
Warner. I am an information systems major, and I graduate in May, April. I don't know. Late yeah, April, uh, early May. One of the two. Nice, bro. Um, the last song that I listened to was, it's called Strangers by Mount Joy. That, bro. Can we play it or no? Yeah, go for it. Okay. It should be. Did you listen to Quinn 92's new song, mm-hmm. new album? Yeah, it's pretty good. Dude, the song with AJR, mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite. It's good. It's really good. It's really good. Wow, it's the last song on the album. Mm. It's a deep cut. This goes hard. Night driving, putting this on in the background. Sheesh. I guess I have to fall in love with strangers. Breath in your city like a fan. And if my life don't work, then we can change. It sounds like Sandro Cavazzo. He sings Without You by Avicii. Yeah, I love Avicii. He's actually really good. I listen to a lot of his songs. Sandro Cavazzo. That's a good song on that one. One of my favorites. All right, the final guy we got on the uh, podcast. My name's Dylan. I am a finance and insurance risk management student here. Wow, bro. Yeah. Did you finance the studio? No, bro. No. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the last song I listened to this morning, actually, a little country, I Hold On by Dirk Bentley. Oh, okay. Ooh. Nice. Such bro, a good we got to play it. Oh, Solid. that's not a country. Oh, this is country, bro. It's just an old beat up truck. Some say that I should trade up now that I got some jank. Bro, he kind of looks like pocket. Rick from The Walking Dead. All right. So I'm Jack. I guess I'm kind of like the host of this podcast called The Feels Odd. Uh, I'm a media production major here at BGSU. And yeah, uh, I don't know what the last song. Probably I have to go on my phone. You had all this time to think about it. I know. It's probably an NF song or something. But anyway, so we're going to get to the topic we're talking about today, which is predestination. Uh, It's a pretty heavy topic in the realm of Christianity. It's pretty heavy. So... Uh, Jaden here is a pastor in training, so he's got some pretty good insight on it. And I know Noah does too. Mm. I'm sure you guys all do. I just haven't done a ton of research, so we'll see. So I'm going to go ahead and read the definition off of, I don't know how you pronounce this, Britannica. I don't know how you say the website name. So predestination in Christianity, the doctrine that God has eternally chosen those whom he intends to save. So that's some pretty heavy stuff that like God predestined who he's allowing into heaven, which is kind of hard to wrap our minds around even almost. So we're going to try to answer the question today of um, what is predestination, um, understanding it and how we can look at it from a good biblical point of view without it consuming us. Like what, what did you say without well, it? I feel like a lot of times with when you go into when you go deep into predestination, it gets into this concept that people kind of get thrown too far into, and then it kind of becomes their own religion, like a yeah, sub religion. Sure. It's like a sub religion of 
Christianity, they'll be like, oh, I'm Calvinist or, oh, I'm Arminianist or, oh, I'm a mix of this and this. Yeah. Like, you talked about it becoming your religion though. Yeah. You just don't want it to overwhelm you. Yeah. So there's, we'll get into it later, but there's not really a right answer. Yeah. So it's definitely a big part of it. I know like when I first started, when I first learned about it, I was almost like taken back. I was like, this seems pretty, I don't know, like wrath, is wrathful a word? Like wrathful of God? Like God shows his wrath throughout the Bible, but like, this is like, it almost seems like unfair. What part of it? In terms. I'm not saying when I originally read it about predestination. Yeah. Like the fact that he could have like predestined us to yeah. like hell. Cause like, almost. cause like free will plays a yeah. huge part in it. So we'll go ahead and get into that. So we'll start with you, Jaden. Um, do you want to give us your definition of predestination? Yeah, for sure. I think part of what's important is, and, and a lot of the angle I'm going to take today is what does the Bible say about it? So I'm, I'm somebody who believes in the authority of the Bible. I believe the Bible is truth and we can't go outside of what scripture tells us. Now, a lot of what we'll probably get into the weeds on are theories about predestination and how, how it functions. But if we can just look at what the scriptures say and make an ass- assessment of what predestination is there, I think that's going to be what's helpful. So predestination really is the idea that there is a destination that some people are set for that God has predetermined. So there's a predetermined destination, predestination. Yeah. And so it, it plays along with a lot of other doctrines that we'll get into. I don't know how deep you want me to go right now, but one of the main scriptures that people go to that talks about predestination is Romans 8, 28 through 30. And so we'll probably sit in here and there's stuff outside of that too that we'll talk about. I'll just read it real quick. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so we can exegete this as we go on. I won't do that right now, but that's where that's where the word comes from. That's where a lot of people pull their theology from is this passage. Okay, perfect. So, um, Jade, I had kind of talked with you about it before, and you had talked about how God obviously talks about us being predestined toward being safe in heaven, like getting to heaven, but it doesn't say we're condemned to hell, correct? Correct. So if we read this, and this is where some specific theological camps come from, is the idea of what we'd call double predestination. So the predestination that's talked about in Scripture is being those who are predestined to be glorified, if we go to the end of that passage. So those who are going to be in heaven with Christ. There's no Scripture that talks about those who are predestined for hell. So that would be the, the idea of double predestination, which is a, the, it's a, it's a theological theory. And so that means it could be true. And so I won't, I won't tell you that double predestination is false, but I will say you can't prove it biblically. You can't prove predestination biblically. You can't prove double predestination. Double predestination, which is condemning to hell. Correct. Correct. Okay. So the way I kind of imagine this is, and this is for clarity purposes, and you guys can correct me, but my thought on this is, so when we are born to this earth, God, the, the basis of predestination is that God has already determined 
that we are either going to heaven or going to hell. That would be the idea of double predestination. Okay. So not double predestination, singular predestination would be that he's already determined who's going to heaven. Yeah. But wouldn't that imply that he already knows who's going to hell? So there's there's the exact argument right there. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that for clarity purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just look at – let's look at verse 29 in Romans 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. So one argument that's made, and I would, this is where I sit because it's, it says it right here, God has foreknowledge. So he knows we all have free will, so we have the free choice whether we're going to walk with Jesus or we're not going to walk with Jesus. And so God knows who's going to choose him, who's going to walk with him. And so if we read it properly, for those God foreknew, and we can, not to add to the scriptures, but what did he foreknow? For those he foreknew were going to follow him, he also predestined. So he gave them a place in heaven. That's how I read that, to be conformed to his image. And then as we go on, to be glorified, which would be to be in heaven with him. So that's where I think this gets, so, this gets hairy. So if, so basically God knows, obviously, if we're going to heaven or hell. So how does free will play into that if, like, I obviously he knows the future and stuff, and that kind of predestination kind of proves that almost because Paul talks about it, mm-hmm. proves that he knows our future, so he knew he knows if we're gonna accept him or reject him. So how does free will play into that? Because do we still technically have a a free choice out there to choose it if he already knows, or like how does? Because I feel like free will is like. I don't know, 50% of predestination, right? Would you, you agree? Some would think that. So this is where, if if I had to sum up the whole debate of Calvinism, Arminianism, and just reading into predestination, it's these three things. It's one, the degree of which God's activity is a part of human salvation. Two, the degree of human culpability or responsibility involved in salvation. And then three, the degree of human activity in salvation. So there's God's, God's activity, human responsibility, and then human's activity. So what do we do? And the, the big question and part of the debate in there is we have to ask, is faith a work and is there free will? And to what extent does free will exist? Okay. So I would be curious. We could just go around the horn here. What do you guys think as far as placing your faith in Jesus? Having, I'm sure you guys haven't even studied this, but off the top of your head, would you view that as something that is a work? That would save you because obviously we, that would go in contradiction with Ephesians two. But how do you view how do you view faith? What do we view the function of faith? Uh, I would say faith is well through faith comes hope. So like faith is believing in something kind of that you don't necessarily know is is true, but you have that faith um, which will produce hope of what is true if that makes sense i think jesus summarizes faith pretty well he says um blessed are those who believe but don't see so it's believing in something you don't see just like santa claus or something but i think it was beyond that in our walk because you talked about um how it correlates with you know how it affects us so I don't really know. Like, it's a big question, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm right on with Jack. Um, I do believe that's the belief of the something you can see, but also it is a choice. Like to have faith, it's a choice that you you've put in yourself to believe in that that thing. It's not something that you you're forced to or go along because everyone else does it. You know, faith is is your own thing. Mm. Yeah. So I guess so. Can you repeat your question again? Yeah, so for, for what you believe personally about mm. is, is faith a work? What is the function okay. of, of faith? So I feel like faith is is what you believe in, right? It's um, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I guess you have to go down to the word, like, belief. Is the act of believing in something a work? And I don't think it is. I think I don't think believing in something is is a work. I think it's it's a thought process, which I don't think is is a work in my mind. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I I don't view it as a work personally. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I don't either. It's hard, for sure, to oh, have yeah. faith, but I don't think it's like because work is an act of servitude, and we don't believe you can be saved through works. Incorrect. So. That's like a Catholic kind of ideology. Yeah, and to some degrees, even some more of your. Oh man, I, I don't want to use specific churches, but there are some some churches that put a higher emphasis on what you do versus your standing with God. Yeah, and that would be more of a leaning towards faith being a work. Yeah, I think faith. You can show. Obviously, you can show your faith through works but you can't you can't make faith there if it's not there by doing good works or doing any works if that makes sense yeah totally there so, we, we summed up that whole debate in like five minutes yeah the faith comes first <laughs> and the works follow so um do you think so there's a lot of like debate going on in the church. Um, how big of a of a debate issue? I don't really know how I'd put that. Do you think predestination is uh, talking to all you guys? Do you guys think predestination is in the church? Like, do you guys think it affects whole church congregations and what they preach and what they believe, or is it just sort of this ideology that churches try to stay away from? And like going into that, do you guys think it's important to address it in church predestination? Cause it's, it's pretty heavy. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to hear that, you know, you may not be going to heaven. So what, what do you guys think about that in the church? Got nothing. Yeah, I got you. It's a, okay. I mean, I'd say it like this. It's in the scriptures, so it should be talked about at some point. Yeah. So I would, I would say yes, it is an important thing to talk about. And I've been I've been at H2O Church. It's a it's a collegiate church since 2015. So I've been here about 8 going on 9 years. And it gets brought up every year with every new batch of students we get. This is something that's talked about cuz we're kind of a melting pot for Christian denominations if you think about it. We're in a non-denominational church, and we get students from every denomination that you could think of. And, of course, this conversation comes up because this has split churches before. 
one one small group I always come back to. I'm sitting in a room with five people. I grew up in a Nazarene church. There's five people in this room. There's five people in this room right now. And we could, we could all probably share what <laughs> kind of scary. church we grew up. I know, right? Yeah. So I grew up in a Nazarene church. We had somebody who was a Methodist growing up. We had somebody who was a Lutheran growing up. Mm. We had a Catholic in the room. And then we had someone who was a Baptist. Was it like done on purpose that way? No. No. no this It just, it just happened, happened to come up. We were That's talking funny. about our church backgrounds. <laughs> and it was really interesting. We started getting into like, what were the main things that were taught at your church that were emphasized? And and that that is why this is probably a, an important question because some churches do emphasize some doctrine more than others, and mm-hmm. for for whatever reason, and so I've I've seen that it, it comes up. It just is a it's a natural because the whole debate between Calvinism and, Ar- and Arminianism asks the question like how responsible are we for salvation? How how important is what we do versus what God does? And t- if I could sum it up in an easy way, the Calvinist Calvinist emphasis is God's sovereignty. So you'll hear them talk about the whole function of you getting saved. You do absolutely nothing. If you're going to get to heaven, it's God. And I would agree with that, right? And then Arminians, they they emphasize human volition and free will. So they would say, you have a responsibility to walk with Jesus. You have a call on your life to walk with Jesus. And I would agree with that too. I don't yeah, think either sure. are wrong. I think it's both and. Yeah. So into that, do you guys want to go around and say like, how you grew up seeing predestination, if you did at all, just like in the church or within your own mind, I guess your own personal opinion almost, but we'll, we'll start with like how you grew up with it in the church. So you yeah. yes. You, uh, so. so just for pre-context, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, yeah. uh, specifically PCA Presbyterian church in America. Um, growing up, my understanding of predestination was more so that, because like, God is is sovereign and He's all knowing. He already knows who's gonna end up following Him, who's gonna go to hell. Because He yeah. already He He can see far be, far more than we can and all that. So, I always had this idea that everyone that was like born is, I guess, quote unquote, I guess, predestined, and it's like almost like an invitation, and then it's up to our free will to accept. The salvation that he's okay. given us, like the, except the the uh, invitation. I, I I like that. It's up to our free will. Um, I, can, I, like I don't that. know. That's like the, the basis of what I kind of believe in that sense. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Um, I grew up Southern Baptist, and I feel like Southern Baptist churches, um, I think they usually lean more Calvinist, usually. Um, but I feel like growing up for me, it was always str- like free will was stressed. Um, it, 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 like Will was saying is like, God's going to give you that moment. He's going to like have it, like, he's going to show that opportunity to you, but you have to take it. You have that choice of taking it. And I think that's what, um, I kind of grew up on is, it's probably almost nearly identical to what Will was saying. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a Mennonite church actually. Um, Bad. yeah. So, Bad, bro. I guess I don't really know the main difference I would say is it's very pacifist um view on society and life and also firm um teachings in like scripture and big into faith obviously. So it's kind of interesting when we talk about predestination cuz it really at least for me growing up I don't remember a whole lot of teachings about it being in um but it is being in scripture, so it was talked about a little bit. 
Um, and I think the idea behind it came to us having that free will too, whereas there are some who are predestined, but also as long as we, you know, put our faith in Christ and hope in him, then we will be able to be saved as well. Okay, good. That's good. Um, I grew up CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance, that's the denomination, and um, I honestly don't really remember it being taught too much, just like maybe I didn't really know what it was when it was preached, but I just kind of grew up with the thinking that everyone had a choice, and I never really thought about God like knowing. Like I, I know He knows the future, but I never thought about like before He even created the world, like He knew us and where we would, where we would be going, so... I feel like I never went that extensive into it, but um, I'm going to take a biblical figure out of the Bible and you guys tell me your opinion on his choice in free will and predestination. You guys ready? I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. You do? Okay. Judas. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not, that's oh. not, it's not it. <laughs> I thought <laughs> you were going to go Pharaoh. Oh, okay. A lot oh, of no. people talk about Pharaoh. Because his heart was hardened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about We can Pharaoh. talk about Pharaoh next, but I was, <laughs> when I think about predestination, Judas is the first person I think of. Mm-hmm. So do you guys think it was Judas's destiny? His sole purpose on earth was to betray Jesus and then die. Because Jesus, you know, if that hadn't happened, Christ hadn't died on cross for our sins, like we wouldn't be here today. So how do you guys think Judas and people like Judas plays in the predestination? It's pretty, it's pretty heavy. So I guess are looking at it from an aspect of like God's, you know, up in heaven and he decides, obviously he knows what's going to happen. Right. And he decides to plant Jews, Judas there almost and basically have his life, all lead up to this moment to where he will betray Jesus. Yeah. And then ultimately I think he hangs himself. Yeah. But so that that's the question is like, do we think that God almost like planted him there? Basically. And does the, could somebody else could have, could have someone else taken Judas's place almost in that position. If it wasn't like, did Judas have a choice? I think he did. I, and this is this is my opinion, and I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but I think he did have a choice, but God already knew his choice, or Jesus like knew his choice. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with Noah on that one. Um, <clears throat> I think that going back to like God is unknowing, he already knew that at some point Jesus was going to betray him, so it wasn't like he for- he was forced to betray Jesus. He already knew that, like yeah. what events were going to lead, that he was eventually come the end of his life not going to follow Jesus, so... He was going to be put in that position to do that because he knew where he was going to. You know, I don't know. Kind of going off of what. Noah so said. you guys are saying that he had a choice between that. Was it thirty to marry or whatever? He got he got offered by the Romans yeah, to betray him. Did he choose that to marry over Jesus, or do you you think he did? Uh, yeah, he took really the, chose it. He yeah. took the money and gave Jesus in. So I mean, it obviously shows you where he put his faith at right yeah so if he would have taken if he wouldn't have taken the demary how do you think it would have played out that's super so, deep that's i think like it's on another level but and this is again is this kind of like my opinion is it that's just the way it played out way it is that's just how it that's how it happened it probably would have happened anyways you know i, I or maybe not the exact same course of events but 
maybe something else would have happened if if Jesus if Judas didn't betray Jesus, then okay. maybe there was another incident. But we yeah. we'll never know, right? Because that's it, it's a what if, yeah. right? Just and to give just you guys, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm yeah. just, just to give you guys some clarity, since I asked the question, I I do believe that God gives us free will, and I do believe that Judas had a choice. I was just asking your guys' opinion about it. That's just you know yeah. what I believe. I I do yeah. think Judas had a choice. So it's your job to ask questions. Yeah, bro. Mm. I also agree with you. Um, I go to John ten seventeen. Jesus says, "No man takes my life from me, but I lay it down my down of myself." And so. If we look at it that way, God used what Judas did. And the bigger question that's really being asked when you ask that is, does God author evil? Because obviously what Judas did by betraying Christ was evil. And so when people make the argument that God had predestined and and predetermined that was going to happen, that kind of says that God authored the evil. And I don't believe that God God authors evil. That's good. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I didn't even think about that. There's another quick... A quick tie in here, Luke seven thirty. This is the Pharisees. It literally, listen to this. It says this in the Bible. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for them because they had not been baptized by John. They literally rejected God's will. And so that's a question that comes up. Can you reject God's will? If we look at just this example, if we look at Pharaoh, we look at Judas, I'm sure God had a much better will for their lives, which was choosing them for salvation to do good works like the scriptures tell us. Mm. So Pharaoh is obviously another person in the Bible that is like Judas. Like, do you think Judas's heart was hardened like Pharaoh's or do you think that's completely separate? That's a good question. I don't know that we have clarity on if Judas's heart was, was hardened because he was a disciple. I mean, he was with, he was with God. Like, yeah, I think it's also a good representation of, I mean, you could have people that come to church every week. You can have people that, seem really like strong in the faith and you really don't know where their heart lies um judas yeah he he like i guess at the end of the day i personally i wonder like is judas in heaven or hell and yeah it, it comes down to it doesn't explain to us what happened in his moments before he took his own life well it's, he um he ran off yeah and he wept right mm-hmm. but did he repent yeah does it say anything about that do you know I'll pull it up. Let's. I'll pull read it. it but g- give me a minute. Keep chatting. Yeah, I'll keep chatting. So, so let's go to Pharaoh then. So God hardened Pharaoh's heart in order to free the Israelites. Was that? I don't even know what Pharaoh. There's hundreds of pharaohs, right? In the the regime of there's a line. Yeah, yeah it, it was they come and go. It was the story in Exodus. Tut? Was no. <laughs> there, <laughs> It was multiple pharaohs over generations that happened. Okay. King Tut. So yeah, some people assume it's the same pharaoh that. Oh, it's not. To. There's multiple pharaohs throughout yeah. the story of Exodus. They come and go. I yeah. guess. I guess it was forty years. Was it four hundred or forty years? I gotta look that up. It, it was over generations. Forty I do years. Know that. In I'll, the, I'll look it up. How in the wilderness long? alone. And some of those guys did not last long. Some yeah. of their pharaohs were young. Yeah. All of them died young too. Historically. I think. The question that kind of goes back to that is like, what's the definition of like God hardening someone's heart, or or is it because you're not choosing to like follow God in a sense that your heart becomes hardened? Because if I think if we answer that, then you can kind of go off of pretty much every person. 
yeah or human in that sense so like you can maybe look into judas on that yeah and to add to that if god has the ability to harden somebody's heart which obviously i think we can all agree he does does he have the ability to unharden somebody's heart yeah because i think yeah hardening i think god hardens your heart in order to make you in order for you to make that decision of staying petty or turning away from it repenting so i just looked it up so the israelites israelites i can't talk today the israelites dwelled within egypt for 430 years and i don't know people technically lived longer back then Uh, some yes but and then we got to the middle ages and everyone's just like dying at 14 yeah well and if you look at (laughs) if you look at some of the pharaohs that existed they were young and and didn't last long. We'd have to go back and look at every single one that happened over that time. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good though. So that's a big part in predestination then. Cause if it's over 430 years and if we have hundreds is you have to have hundreds of Pharaohs in between that time period. Correct. 430 years. I mean, they didn't reign that Somebody long. Somebody looked that they? up. How I many, mean, how many Pharaohs? But anyway, so does that mean God harden each individual pharaoh's heart because it only talks about one singular pharaoh correct in it, exodus in the story of moses and story of moses yeah were you asking how many pharaohs were were referred to in the bible just oh how many existed over that 430 year span so did god harden all the pharaoh's hearts during that time period or did he only harden the pharaoh's heart when all those plagues were happening, because that was the Pharaoh that got tested. I mean, the guy's firstborn died and he was like, he was like, be free, go. And then like, he's like, come back. Like, who does that? Yeah. It's in the first encounter of this is in Exodus seven, 13 and 14, where it says Pharaoh's heart became hard. And there's been a lot of debate about the Hebrew verbiage and how this would have been used, but it looks like the, the most clear interpretation of this would would be that his heart became hard. That's yeah. the way it's Moses it's wrote Exodus, correct? Or no? Uh, who wrote Who wrote Exodus? I'll look it up. Y'all are Y'all are quizzing me. I've I've not been to Bible college yet, guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're quizzing okay. you. Nobody dude. knows everything. Mm-mm. Yeah, Moses I think wrote we're figuring it. Figuring that out now. I'm no expert on this stuff. Moses wrote it. So. So yeah. Yeah, some some translations as I'm reading this translate that as Pharaoh's heart was hardened, but the Hebrew, like I said, the Hebrew wording here is became hard. So then you ask, who is the agent of that, or how did that happen? And there's a lot of de- that's why there's debate over this is because does the Hebrew word like th- did that pop up the actual word? Yeah, it's pronounced kazak. It's K H A Z A Q. So kazak means to become hardened become just became became hard it's a it's a past tense became hard okay sounds, you gotta stop making me say that <laughs> sounds kind of sus but anyway so pharaoh sus so does that mean it was one specific pharaoh i know it doesn't say it but do you do you personally think that's that one specific pharaoh that went through all the plagues or do you think that's all the pharaohs leading up? Because I think it's different between God hardening a pharaoh's heart for just holding them as slaves and then going through trials and plagues and his heart still being hardened. It's almost like God forced 
you think God forced Pharaoh to go through the plagues by hardening his heart? I think he chose to harden his chose. own heart. I, that's yeah. As I've read this and studied it a little bit, there there's moments where God gave him an opportunity. There were so many plagues. Like he gave him so many opportunities. Yeah, like repent. Nine. There's ten. Ten. Ten plagues. I was close. The ten plagues of Egypt, and he gives him all these opportunities. And just from scripture, it's, it starts in chapter seven and goes through chapter eleven. Like bro had four chapters to try to figure this out. And he over and over again chose not to repent. So it's and then it shows in the later ones. I forget exactly which plague it was. Then it does say God God hardened his heart. And so then you ask the question like, so did God stop giving him opportunities? Like, or was it because he had chose to reject him so many times that God was like, all right, that's it, calling it a career. So it's just like Judas, I think. So I think Pharaoh had a choice. He chose not to obey what Moses was saying. And I don't think it helped that they had been enslaved for so long too. I don't know if people really think about that, but like, like how would, if you've enslaved a tribe for that long over so many different pharaohs and you let them go, wouldn't you be like kind of shamed upon? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're the king. Why are you letting these slaves go? Because a guy with a staff told you so. There, there was a lot that he had to gain by not doing it, by not giving himself up. Yeah. Let's say that. Because think about this guy. He's got all the power in Egypt, which is at this point is a world power. And yeah, he's got a lot of slaves. Like, he's got a lot to lose. Yeah. So it's the same thing as Judas. It, it all had to do with selfish gain. For sure. All right. Which, if we want to get back to Judas. I, yeah, we, yeah, for sure. We can get back to Matthew Judas. chapter 27, the beginning of this. It says, early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to, to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I forgot about that. Mm. He gave it back. And then it says, he says, I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. So bro repented and then unalived himself right afterwards. So that you could chalk this up, whatever you want to say about it. Let's read on just to see. I personally feel like if he didn't have a choice, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have what? Killed himself? Yeah. Yeah. Like who, in what universe does God author someone to kill themselves? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on what God you believe in, but the God of the Bible is not someone who tells you to do that. Let's just read on a few more verses to see if it says anything here. It says, The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this in the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for, for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what wow. was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord had commanded me. So it was prophesied that this would happen. So, comes all the way back. Did God predestine that to happen, did, or did he foreknow Did it? Isaiah, who prophesied it? 
let me look this up. Well, I mean, Jesus did. He said, one of you will betray me. It's in Zechariah and Jeremiah. So there was, there was two prophets that spoke oh, of this. Zechariah. I'm actually reading Jeremiah right now, so I'm getting that pretty soon. That's crazy. That brings a lot of clarity to the idea of Judas and his predestination. It's amazing what happens when you open up the Bible and just <laughs> read what actually took place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so I'm going to drop another bomb on you guys. This one's a little heavier than Judas. You guys ready? This will probably be the last question because we're getting that. Getting pretty late here. It's 45 but, minutes. Yeah, bro. So God, we know God is a God of wrath. I talked about this before. Um, he used David to annihilate entire kingdoms with him and his mighty men. He vanquished an entire city, Sodom and Gomorrah. And I mean, he's just a God of wrath, like throughout the Old Testament with, with the Egyptians, the um, Passover. And there's times in the Old Testament where God does not like certain people. So like Esau, God hated Esau, correct? Was it Esau? Yeah, did someone. Somebody looked that up. Did God hate Jacob and Esau? Esau. Because Esau got... Yeah, it's Esau. Uh, so, uh, let me pull up. Two, three ministries. But he obviously hated entire tribes, correct? Like Sodom and Gomorrah, the Philistines. Yeah, I think hate... I don't know if hate's the right word. But I think there's definitely, like, the tribes... And even Israel, like, they disobeyed him and they caused him, like distraughtness they cause them to be distraught yeah so i guess yeah like these different tribes these different people definitely upset god which isn't a person you want to upset but i don't know if god necessarily hated them hated their sin okay so the question i was going with into that with like esau and people like that who god destroyed is with predestination and god knowing our salvation, not condemning us. We're not like doubling it between heaven and hell, but he knows our salvation. Does that, does that mean, wait, what did I write down? So does God not love everyone is my question. Mm -hmm. I have an opinion, obviously. That's why I'm asking it, but I just want to hear what you guys think between predestination and I mean, John three sixteen sixteen says, "For God so loved the world, they gave His one and only Son." But does God love everyone in the sense of predestination and knowing who's going where? So I have an abstract thought, kind of when it comes to this. It's like, and, and you guys, I, I want you guys to dismantle this thought because um, I'm just throwing it out there. But God's all knowing. We know that, right? He knows everything, but. God's also on a completely different level than us, obviously. Does he have the ability to not know what he doesn't want to know? No. I don't I don't think so. You don't think so? I'm just wondering. This bro, is like a genuine question. Bro, that's, so if, I if God knows that. if God God's all knowing, but would he have the ability to yeah, to not know to what forget. He, well sure, but yeah, to not know what he doesn't want to know. I wish I could do that. Same. Wish I didn't know stuff. 
I feel like that could be a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, that right there could be. I personally think... I just don't know if we're supposed to understand exactly that. Yeah. It's like a lot of things about God. We're just, our minds just like, like eternity. Our, our minds can physically not wrap around the idea of eternity. Yeah. So. It's also where faith uh, plays a role in. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, going back on the, the love topic, I, it's like a vague memory, but I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember someone kind of explaining that there's just, because I know there's different types of love. You have uh, like agape and mm-hmm. philias, dora, eros, whatever. But someone told me how there's a God has a different love for those who are already saved, mm-hmm. and there's another love for everyone else as a as a whole. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm trying to find that like online. It's very vague memory of someone like kind of explain that to me. I don't know if anyone if you guys have had that type of conversation before, but that I'm could not maybe sure on that one. I don't know. I could. No. I could be like. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a like a like a dream I had. I don't know. But it's like a vague memory. I got some juice. I don't know if that's a good <laughs> turn. I got some scripture juice. for us too. When it comes to whether God oh, lo- loves this all is... people. Okay, so Romans nine thirteen says, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, poor Esau, bro." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is NIV. I can read a different translation if you guys want. But it says, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Mm-hmm. And I looked up. I'll go back. If you keep reading that too, it touches on something else we talked about. Romans nine fifteen, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on who I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For us... For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Okay, so what this, okay, I'm reading off of, gosh, what is this website? Uh, Ligonier. It's a, devotional website i don't know but it says how are we supposed to understand this in some cases hate simply means to love less in luke 14 we find jesus saying that we must hate the members of our own families if we want to follow him while in the parallel passage in matthew 10 13 jesus says we must love them less than we love him so that kind of goes into i feel like that kind of branches off to something else um, I've heard that interpretation. With family. But it also says, uh, this is not scripture. God did not love Esau less than Jacob. He did not love Esau in any saving way at all. Mm. That's heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it talks about Psalm 139, 21 through 22. Um, gives us perspective on God hating Israel's enemies, which is mm-hmm. pretty clear. God hates evil. Let's just yeah. Let's outline that. God Facts. hates. I, see the way I think of it, and you guys, please tell me if I'm wrong. But like, God hates the sin. He, he hates the. What did Esau do though? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to. It's the same thing for me with Esau. It's the same thing for me with Cain and Abel. Like before Cain killed Abel, yeah. God was just not accepting Cain's 
um, sacrifices, his offerings. I mean, he I, he grew crops, correct? Cain grew crops, and Abel had the livestock. Yeah. And God was so rejecting of Cain's offering. So does that mean he didn't love Cain as equally as Abel? Or why why would he not be accepting? I think, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the reason he rejected the offerings was because he didn't give the the best of the best it had offerings every, to God. Because yeah. it wasn't blood. What, right. Is that? Yeah, that was part of it. It had everything to do with his heart posture yeah. for the gift. Okay. Yeah. What about blood being spilled because it's old testament's pretty clear about lamb's blood being spilled over an altar was it because it was just these crops he was he was offering or i don't think he was giving he was giving crops but i don't think it was like he kept the best crops for himself i think yeah that was part of it yeah there was there was okay there was the ceremonial law which like played a part in this because there were specific kinds of sacrifices you were supposed to give Mm -hmm. so he dodged that and then he went above and beyond and didn't even give a decent sacrifice. Were the <laughs> laws above and beyond? Were the laws yeah. implemented at the time of Cain and Abel though? Because there was only five people alive at that so time, right? This gets into the whole natural law, ceremonial law. Was it was in place with Adam and Eve? Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, God had set out exactly what things were supposed to look like. He had set out the law right mm-hmm. there, and they broke the law. And so clearly, there was a law that was in place. Because somehow Adam knew not to murder Eve, right? So there was there was something in play that was already built into us. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, they knew. Come on. They knew. Come on. Okay. All right, let's go. I'll, I'll give you some scripture here for the yeah. question of if, does God love all people? Luke 2, 10 and 11, it says, good news of great joy for all people. And there there's a debate that's really annoying to listen to, I'll be honest, is the word all and the word they, that this is translated by some Calvinists. They like to say it, it means all kinds of people. And they use, because this language is used in some scriptures, the word kinds is added. It's not in all of them. That's part of the problem. So you kind of have to like dance around if you want to make the argument that God only saves people from all tongue, tribe, and nation, but not all of them, just people from every part of the world. And so there's that one. There's a number of these, like for God so loved the world, that would be everybody. John 2, 1 John 2, 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And then 1 John 4, 14, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. I don't know how you dance around that and say that's not counting everybody. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I'm a firm believer that God definitely loves everybody. Okay, so John... And that's good news. <laughs> and that's good. <laughs> and that is a good thing. And I think he shows that love for us and the ability for us to, in my opinion, choose whether or not we repent of our sins and choose to follow him. I view it like this. It's almost like a partnership. So I, I was thinking about this a lot last night because I knew we were going to do this. But this is how I, I've read the scriptures, I've studied it. This is what I think is the function, the true function. So God has chosen humanity to save. His foreknowledge shows him who will be saved. He has predestined them for glorification. God chooses us and we have the option to choose to repent and place our faith in Jesus. The Bible teaches this partnership that involves a free gift where God has done all the work and we just trust the work and follow him. That's yeah. what I've come to. Yeah. Both of those can be, can be the, in I guess the same. You you can have both of those, 
what's the word I'm looking for? You can have both people being predestined. Equilibrium. Sure. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> Do nothing. And uh, you can have both people, yeah, being predestined, and then also people, everyone, you know, else that has the ability to choose, to follow Jesus, follow God. Um, yeah, together. So you're, so you're saying that God. So it's 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 uh, it's a mix of both, is what you're saying. Of like we have the, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, so correct me. But people have the right to choose, but God knows who's going to choose, like who's going to choose and who doesn't. There are, it's uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but I yeah. think throughout the Bible too, when he talks about certain people being predestined. I think there are some that are predestined to like be in heaven already. And then but everybody has the ability to be in heaven. Like I think those two things can co coexist. Mm. I actually agree with you. Yeah, I like that. I still think it's a that would fit into theological theory. Mm-hmm. What did you say could coexist? I missed the last part. The ability to have some people be predestined for like heaven for eternity. And then also everyone else having the option to choose that. So Heaven. God okay. selecting. I, it's kind of hard to like conceptual, conceptualize. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. yeah. I, think that's, I think that's good. I, I'm trying it's to like, wrap it around in my own brain. So God has the, obviously, so it's a mix of both as in the sense of God throughout the Bible has predestined certain people for like their life, or I guess like in, like planned what's gonna happen, but and then also there's like another group of people that have that free will to choose whether they do or not. But God already selected a few people. That's how I viewed it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like I think a good way to look at it is um, the tribes of Israel that's talked about in Revelations. Yeah. Where there's twelve tribes of Israel, and it says that. A predetermined number of like it's one hundred and forty-four thousand, mm-hmm. which is twelve times that amount. So yeah, but also I think that he—I don't know if he predestined. See, and that's another thing: is did he predestine that number of amount of people, or did he predestine the exact people? There are there are whole cults built off of this <laughs> this whole thing right here. <laughs> okay, so it says. Should be in Revelation five or six or seven or something like that. Okay, so it says, Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, from all the tribes of Israel. There's, Talks about the sixth tribulation. There's a ton of debate about mm-hmm. that right there. Some people attribute it to the, the but tribes it's of Israel. But it's only for Jews, old. Jewish people. Right. and But this is where some... Groups of people like the Black Hebrew Israelites have come up. Jehovah's Witnesses, they say that they are those people. Oh. Really, Jehovah's—that's what they. Mm-hmm. I did not know their, that. That's their whole movement, right so there. So, if they believe that they, sorry, I'm I'm going off the rails. Some, this I'm bad at this, but if they believe that they are the 144,000 people that are like predetermined, they're chosen. Well, aren't there like yeah. more than? That that's what oh, I was yeah. gonna say. That's the crazy part. Yeah. You might meet a Jehovah's Witness who <laughs> will tell you 
I'm not one of the 144,000. Oh, but why? I hope you are. And what they would also all they would also believe that we're already in the tribulation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's so hopeless. So, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so they're pretty much just saying they're not. They can't go to heaven. That's and they're yes. just trying to realize. Because get this, there's if there's 144,000 people that are going, there's some sort of hierarchy that happens today, as of 2022. So okay, a year ago, there were 8.5 million oh, no. Jehovah's Witnesses. That's a lot of people they're not the only. They're not the only religion, though. When I was working at Chick-fil-A, yeah. someone came up to me as a Jehovah Witness. You gotta ask him, are you going to heaven or not? She gave me, a, uh, you gotta ask she gave me an info card. To so. clarify, to clarify, I don't know if the 144,000, I think they are the people here in the, in the sixth part of the tribulation, the sixth uh, triumph. They are here on earth during the last part of the tribulation to witness the people. I right. don't think the fact that you're not a part of that 144,000 means that you're going to hell. So I think they still believe that they're going to heaven. They're just not going to be here during that last part of the tribulation. Uh, but if they already believe that they're in the tribulation, in the last part of the tribulation, then that wouldn't make sense. There's a reason That's, they're a cult. They, mm-hmm. they don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's exactly what I was going to say. So um, this website says it's a biblical – it's got, got questions, biblical answers. Um, website says – um, it just talks about how this 144,000 is after mm-hmm. is no during the years, the seven years, of, it's seven years, right? Seven years of tribulation. Yeah. It's in the last part. It's during that. And that's after the rapture. Mm-hmm. So that's after mm. God's people have been taken, taken. And the, this, these 144,000 people are taken during the seven years of tribulation, which is after hopefully millions of people have been taken up into heaven. Yeah, so they believe the rapture already happened. Yeah, that's the thing. Which is... <laughs> my mind they, is boggling. Yeah, there's they, too they many holes. It already happened. That's why it's whack. Because then, like, there, you, you also have to ask the question, what happens to those who are dying during this? Like, are they done for or what? Well, it talks about Jehovah's Witnesses right here. Yeah, if they're not the 144,000 and they die, then... Yeah, much of the confusion regarding the 144,000 the result of the false doctrine of Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that 144,000 is a limit to the number of people who will reign with Christ in heaven and spend eternity with him. That's fact. It's called the heavenly hope. Mm. Yep. But hey, there's good news. God loves everybody. Even the Jehovah Witnesses. So, so I, yeah. I, I have a question to go off of this real quick. So, why does the 144,000 only pertain to Jews? I've not looked into this. Yeah. If there's two camps of theology I've not really studied, it is like the tribulation and the end times and then creationism. So, if you ask me if I'm a young earth creationist, I don't even know what that means. I'll be real Dude, with you. Yeah, I, we had a great I, conversation. I just did some research on that. <laughs> we, had a, we had a good conversation. Um, I did a bunch of research about radiocarbon dating and it proves a young earth. Well, so, um, I'll look it up. I'll see what I think. There's some good stuff. Yeah. I would I, love to talk about that in the next yeah, podcast. I've dude. heard about that. Dude, I could totally go deep on that. Yeah. Radiocarbon dating is complete assumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guy, his mm-hmm. name's Dr. Willie Lib- Libby even told people when he founded because radiocarbon dating is accurate accurate for finding fossils of people but it stops at 5700 years mm. <laughs> there's no limit beyond that and there's people like oh i found this bone from 50000 years ago and it's like well there's a bunch of stuff with that the atmosphere at equilibrium and we're at 5700 years getting toward that equ- equilibrium which is 30000 
So there's, I did a butt ton of research on it. I sent it to him, him and Tay. There's some interesting stuff. Dude, we have to do that. So, that's it's, wild. It would be good for the next one. I would love to go down that route. Yeah, for sure. Keep your thoughts tied up for, yeah. for another one. I, I know a lot more about creation than I do predestination. So yeah. that would be awesome. Cool. But yeah, do you guys have any other last thoughts before we wrap this up? Am I predestined for heaven? Are you? I'm asking you. Whoa, wait, wait. I'll get to one I more thing. So. The book of life. Mm-hmm. How does that play into predestination? Well, he writes your name in the book of life, correct? Yeah, but mm-hmm. can it come out? No, I think once you're saved, yeah. you're saved. Oh, yeah. Once saved, always saved? I believe that. I believe once, in... Once you have true salvation, you're not losing it. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. in... True that, salvation. Yeah, so, true salvation. Some would call that perseverance of the saints. I like preservation of the saints and protection of the saints. I think that's how it really plays out. And there's scripture that backs this one up. The spirit seals us. It says that in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I put that in a rap song once. You can go dig that up. We'll find it. <laughs> Vibe Jaden. Shout out. Spotify. Vibe Jaden. Yeah, I'll shout out. All platforms. All right. That's my thought. That's good, though, because I feel like I feel like a big I, – I, when I was younger – not younger, I guess last year. You <laughs> were younger last year. That's younger. Yeah. That's younger. Or you're younger. I, I don't know, but I would talk to my mom sometimes about being scared about not being saved. Mm-hmm. And my mom would always tell me, it's okay, honey, your name's in the book of life. Like, it's okay. And then I'd have all these consuming thoughts and doubts that like, bro, what if my name comes out of the book of life? Like, <laughs> how do I know it's in there? Like, I also had that same struggle as a kid. I prayed the, the uh, sinner's prayer every night for like four years straight, guys. <laughs> I would spiral about what it was going to be like to go mm, to hell. That's not... A bad thing, though. I no, mean, you're supposed to no, fearing God. Yeah. Like, scripture tells to you God. to wrestle with your salvation. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. dude, my, my biggest fear is getting getting to heaven, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And then God's like, I don't know you. I'm like, bro, what? And then it's just bro, like, what? it's like I can't even. <laughs> it's like I can't even explain myself. I'm just, you know, like those water slides, like open up beneath you. The water bowl. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like one of those. Toilet bowl. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the shoots and it's like phew. Yeah, the hole goes out. Oh the trap door. Yeah, the trap door. Yeah, yes, yes. It's like one of those. <laughs> yeah, like like, it's Minecraft. Tom and Jerry, just a Minecraft trap door in heaven. Oh, yeah. Clicks it. I'm just like <laughs> and you can't even like there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like Yeah, I think it's a good thing to wrestle with salvation though. Yeah. Obviously as Jaden was saying, like they, he uh, in the Bible it calls for us to do that. And I think you'd be in a worse boat. If you don't question your salvation, almost, I think if you, you that's if you're hundred percent, you're hundred percent. You're like, oh, I'm going to heaven. Like, I think deep down, I and this is this is just my thoughts. But if you don't wrestle with your salvation at all, that's kind of scary because mm-hmm. you could be blind to some sin. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, that's yeah. facts. Yeah, it keeps you in check. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't think about it that way. If you're wrestling with salvation, you're always thinking about well, ultimately, how you can become, how can you become further sanctified and closer to Christ, more be like Christ-like. Yeah, and I'm not trying to backtrack what I said. I think because I think you you do know, but I think you should also wrestle with it. Yeah, because we should. This is gonna sound. This might sound bad, but we should never feel good enough for heaven. Yeah, because we. Don't. I agree, mm-hmm. but. We should also know if we're going to heaven or not in the sense of, well, did we follow what Jesus said as in the gospel? Like, do we believe in the gospel? Did we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus Christ? And if we do that, the Bible tells us 
that we're going to have heaven. It's not a feeling. It's like, it's fact. If we do those things, if we do that, and I say do that, have the faith in it, not the works, but if you have the faith in Jesus Christ, then you will ultimately go to heaven. And I think in that sense, you'll know, but I think in, in, in the sense of wrestling for your, wrestling with your salvation, it's, it's from the aspect of you don't feel good enough. Yeah. Because we aren't. There's nothing we can do. Yeah, for sure. And that's over time as things become, go from head knowledge to mm-hmm. heart knowledge. Like I can see something in the scriptures and I can know that's true, but we all know we wrestle with lies from Satan. So like it, it just is time that things become heart knowledge for us. And that's part of sanctification too. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that's what we were talking about seeing God and stuff. So uh, any last thoughts for you guys? Any last questions? I think we answered everything. We're all good now. Oh yeah. We're all yeah. we're all educated on predestination. So I can well, I can we, give us a little tie in. Did yeah. you have something better? No, I was gonna say where do we stand at? Okay. Oh, where do we stand? Okay. Well, where, you where do we stand? Where you? Let's let's go around. Let's, let's yeah, start with I think. start with Dylan. You guys start with Dylan. Yeah, well, start with Dylan. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And then we'll go with what Jane was saying to tie it in at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tie us up. Cool. On predestination? All right, so I do believe that God has predestined some individuals um, for um, for His purpose, and I also believe that everyone else has a choice, has that free will to uh, choose Jesus and be sanctified in that sense as well. So I think, yeah, I think both of those are are coexisting in, in creation. That's kind of where I stand on it. Um, so where I stand is, well, ultimately, I don't know. Um, because it's as Jaden kind of started out with, it's not 100% clear in Scripture. It doesn't say it's one way or the other. So I honestly attend I to agree with Dylan in the sense of, I think it's a mix of both. I lean in kind of in the middle of, I think we definitely have free will, but I think God already knows who's going to choose him and who doesn't. I don't think God's selected, but yeah. I think he, I think he he knows who's going to to choose him. And who that's doesn't. that's how I feel. I personally think that it's just something we're not really supposed to comprehend. Mm-hmm. I think God God is mysterious. We don't know. Um, we know certain aspects of God, but I don't think we know God's true nature. So I don't think we're meant. I don't think we were created to understand certain things. And I think this is a perfect topic, but I do believe God is sovereign and that he's all knowing. So I think he knows our salvation, but I just think it's something that we're not, it's okay to talk. I think it's good to talk about good to address. Don't get me wrong, but I just think it's just something we're not really supposed to completely understand it. And I'm okay with knowing that. Mm-hmm that i'm not supposed to completely understand it so yeah uh right on with you guys the whole um when it comes to predestination it's not so much i don't, I don't really believe that we were like hand-picked and others weren't hand-picked but more so that um he he's, he already knows so because he already knows i mean uh, yeah going off what you guys were saying um he already knows who's going to you know be saved and who's not so it's not like he's picking he just knows and um but then also like our free will we have that we have that opportunity to choose i guess like my analogy before is like an invitation 
Yeah. We, we can either accept or decline the invitation based off our free will. So I, I guess, yeah, so the same. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll read this again. Romans eight twenty nine. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The one illustration I didn't really share is I think the picture of marriage is really good here. So if we think about how, and as far as how it pertains to the gospel, God proposes to us. He's done all this work. He proposes to us with the ring, and it's a free gift. We can take it. We can partner with God. We can say yes to that. And that's how marriage is too. You don't just take one person who says, we're married now, and it happens. There's a proposal that happens. And I think God works the same way with us. It's this yeah. partnership that plays together. That's good. And I like I, I feel no reason to dunk on any of the far camps of Calvinism or Arminianism or provisionism or any of the other isms that exist. I think they've all got things that are true. And then I think sometimes they miss the mark. I believe in God's sovereignty 100%. He does all the work for us. We've done no work to save ourselves at all. But I also agree with Arminians in that there's free will that exists and we have human responsibility. And it, it looks as that is to be true in the scriptures mm-hmm. too. So that's my thought. That's Perfect. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you guys for coming in today. Um, we'll see what the next topic is. Maybe we'll do uh, new versus old creation. Maybe we'll do something with free will. I don't know, but I hope you guys enjoy this podcast, the Feels Odd podcast. Um, and yeah, hope you guys have a great day. Peace out. Bye. Later. See ya.